0: perpetually sore podcast your source for martial arts and combat sports news reviews interviews and supplementary training guidance covering topics for both on and off the mats now here's your host sean Machina. Hello, my perpetually sore friends and family, and welcome to episode four. This week, I will be trying something new for the podcast production once again. While well, I do enjoy doing these, finding the time to sneak off to a quiet place to record them isn't the easiest. So this week, I have written the podcast, which is easy to do from almost anywhere, but I won't be recording the audio for it. Instead, I will hand that over to an AI in the cloud. So what that means is these are my words, my insight, but a computer will just You can think of it as a text-to-speech type of system, but it is quite advanced and doesn't sound like a robotic computer. If this works, it should help fast-track podcasts in the future because finding time to record high-quality audio is definitely a challenge. So I'll give it a shot, and if it works, I'll continue this in the future for long-form podcasts. I certainly plan to record the audio for as many as I can myself, and of course, any episodes with guests or interviews will be done live. This will also open up quite a few opportunities for me to use prior content that I've written. So with that, I'll hand it off to my computer generated voice and it will read what i have written for this episode which will focus on training and injuries a topic near and dear to my heart unfortunately because i have lots of them with that we're off to the main
1: content today we will be talking about training and injuries injuries are almost guaranteed to happen as combat sports fighters and martial artists i myself am off the mats temporarily due to paid low femoral pain There are multiple types of this. Without getting too technical, my latest issue is the shock absorbers under my kneecap are blown out, and the synovial membrane, which secretes a lubricant to reduce friction between the bones and joints, isn't providing much lubrication, leading to pain and inflammation. It isn't very fun. Walking is uncomfortable, using stairs is borderline painful, and the few times I've trained and rolled since it happens usually leads to a lot of pain the next day due to inflammation. The cause of that injury was overuse in wear and tear, and in general, I don't have very healthy joints. For example, my right ankle rolls regularly, tearing and rupturing whatever ligaments may be in there, and my right wrist is almost always sore from inflammation. In addition, I've ripped a rib off my sternum twice, and because of how it healed, it is prone to popping. Rib injuries are one of the most painful I've had. I don't recommend them. Beyond that, I usually break a few toes a year at a minimum and have the usual joint hyperextension and muscle sprains that most people who train or compete in fighting sports will get. So while this isn't an exhaustive list of my injuries, I wanted to share some of my histories as a setup to discuss how to prevent rehabilitate, and train around injuries. Before we get into the main content, I want to comment on injuries in general in martial arts and training academies. Injuries are very common, so I suggest you try not to be the person always talking about your injuries or using them as a crutch to avoid putting in the work. Even worse, be careful not to use them to justify poor performance or losses in competition. If you are genuinely injured, you shouldn't be competing. If you are competing and lose, own it. It happens. Making a big deal about your injury is the reason isn't a good look. Your opponent may have also been injured and possibly even injured worse. Anyone who has been doing martial arts for an extended period has likely been through plenty of their own injuries. How you handle yourself socially regarding your injuries is almost as important as how you handle them medically. With that being said, let's start with the most common suggested approach for new injuries RICE method. RICE stands for rest, ice, compression, elevation, and this has been the standard for years for sports injuries. For example, when you sprain an ankle or have muscle soreness, the advice was to rest by limiting the use of where you are injured, followed by icing the injury to reduce the pain and swelling. Next was to apply compression to the damaged area to limit swelling and promote healing. And finally, elevate it above your heart level to reduce blood flow and reduce swelling. While this has been a very popular approach and is used by many still today, the doctor who developed and branded this message has spoken out about the icing in particular. Icing and injury will reduce inflammation, however, reducing inflammation slows the healing process. The pain from inflammation is caused by your body recovering, and for many, especially those of us who hate being off the mats for too long, We want to get back into the action as soon as possible. Applying ice or other anti-inflammatory aids or products may reduce the pain and swelling, but it will prolong the recovery time. My suggestion regarding rice is to drop the ice if the pain is manageable and let your body heal at the fastest rate possible. When it comes to the other aspects of rice, let's take a look at each individually. First, rest is excellent, but not always what people with active lifestyles want to do, especially long term. It may not always be an option if your income is tied to your activity. For example, someone who owns and operates a martial arts academy can't just not show up for a while if they don't have someone else to run classes and run the business. So while rest is strongly suggested, it needs to be looked at in the context of what rest means. Many of us doing martial arts practice more than one discipline. If your injury is specific to a body part that you can avoid moving, or at least limit the usage, training around the injury may be possible. You need to consider the pros and cons of fully resting by not participating in training versus adjusting your workout so you can continue to improve and get the activities most important to your goals. For example, if you are a competitive jujitsu fighter and pop a rib, rest is essential. Rib injuries can take weeks to months to heal, and if you get back on the mats too early, the issue will increase, requiring even more extended recovery periods. Being a significant injury, training BJJ around it is generally not an option. There is very little you can do in BJJ that doesn't involve pressure on your chest or movements involving the ribcage. In this instance, my suggestion would be to continue going to your classes and watching. You can absorb the material without participating in the motions. This is better than being away from mats. It will also increase your likelihood of returning. Many martial artists who stop going into training sessions because of an injury tend not to return after they are healed because another habit has replaced their practice of training. You can also do things like watch matches and competitions in the styles you train to study potential opponents and pick up on strategies and techniques you may not have otherwise been exposed to. Watching instructionals during off-the-mat periods is also very helpful. Suppose you have a significant injury where participation in your fighting style isn't an option beyond staying engaged with your training academy and studying. In that case, you can also use that time to build strength if your injuries would allow. For example, when I was off the mats for my rib injury, I spent a lot of time on an exercise bike to work on my conditioning and leg strength. Likewise, if you have a leg injury, think about using weight machines to work on upper body strength. To summarize, resting is important, but getting back to activity as early as possible is suggested. You should listen to your body and learn the difference between injury pain and soreness. Generally, training through soreness is not an issue as long as you don't overdo it, but training with pain should not be done. Your resting period should be focused on avoiding painful activities while continuing to participate in as much as possible. In rare cases, you may be limited to watching and studying. In most cases, you may need to sit out of certain parts of training, but only in extreme cases should you need to be entirely away from your sport and practices. We'll skip to the C for compression, as we already covered ice. Compression is something I suggest doing right after an injury as well as for a modest period after. Generally, you can find compression sleeves for most body parts where joint injuries occur such as knees, elbows, and ankles. Compression clothing or bandages, such as ACE bandages, can also be used to wrap the injured area for compressions. I would warn that if you are wrapping yourself, make sure not to over-tighten the wrap. Cutting off too much circulation can lead to worse outcomes than leaving the area uncompressed. I'm often asked if I suggest kinesiology tape for compression. I think taping is an excellent tool for injuries, although technically, it is quite the opposite of compression. With compression, you apply pressure onto the affected area to limit swelling and reduce blood flow. Tynesiology Tape works by lifting around the affected area, increasing blood flow, relieving pressure and spreading the load away from the injured area. As people often confuse taping with a form of compression, I thought I would sneak it into the compression section. Still, please realize that it is a different tool in the Injury Management Toolbox. I typically use KT Tape Extreme for taping as it is high quality stays on longer than other brands I've tried, and is also easier to remove than some other brands. You can find application guidance on their website for almost all injuries, and it is very easy to apply on yourself unless your injury is in a hard-to-reach place. I use KT Tape regularly for my ankles, knees, and ribs and find it both relieves pain as well as speeds up the recovery process. I will provide two warnings regarding taping. First, some people are allergic to the adhesives in some tapes, so you should test a piece on your skin before putting on a complete application. I worked with someone who applied a lower quality brand of kinesiology tape and broke out in a painful rash due to the adhesive, which was worse than the injury they were trying to mitigate. I have seen skin irritation problems from high quality brands as well, so it is always best to test them first. The second warning is it is possible to overuse taping which may lead to muscle loss or pain and cramping elsewhere. Depending on how you tape your injury, you often bring in muscles to support activities that they do not usually get engaged for. The added load on the muscles can lead to soreness or spraining, and since your primary muscles aren't engaging as much, they may lose strength. I primarily suggest limiting taping to when you need joint stability for high-impact activities. Like taping a bad ankle when running but removing it after the activity. Or when you have active pain that the tape will help relieve, but don't rely on the tape for too long. As I mentioned earlier, I'm currently dealing with knee issues, and going downstairs is quite painful. If I tape my knees, the pain is pretty much eliminated. However, I don't want to have taped knees all the time, or I'll start relying on it. So I only tape them on days when the pain is relatively high. For my injury, the amount of pain varies based on how inflamed my knees are which varies based on how much activity I've been doing. And if I have a tape applied for more than a day or two, I remove it for at least a few days before I'd retape. The final piece of rice is elevation, which may not be practical or as effective depending on the injury. Because of this, I am split on the usefulness of elevation and suggest you try it and use it if it helps and skip it if it doesn't. Of course, that advice would apply to all the other areas as well but I find elevation to be the less helpful of the bunch. Outside of the rice method, I commonly use other pain management approaches that I'll now cover. Pain medication is, of course, a common one. I try to limit my use of pain relievers as much as possible. Prescription pain medicine can become addictive or cause liver and kidney issues from prolonged use. Even over-the-counter products like aspirin, Tylenol, and ibuprofen can be harsh on your organs and stomach. These also turn off your pain registration from other areas and I believe it is essential to feel your pain. If you pop a few pain relievers for an injury and head to class, you may be missing feedback from your body that you are sore or hurt and continuing to perform your activity could increase the damage. Had you not been on a pain reliever and felt the issue, you could have stopped or gone more lightly to avoid aggravating the injury. Because of this, I suggest skipping pain medication unless your pain is unmanageable. And if you are taking it, I recommend not training or performing high-intensity activities until after it is worn off. If your injury is muscle-related, massages can be great, as they can relieve tightness and improve blood flow to the injured tissues to promote healing. I suggest giving them a try for sore and pulled muscles. Physical therapy is a standard treatment for many injuries and usually will require a doctor's referral. I'd suggest consulting with your primary care physician about physical therapy options. I've gone to physical therapy for grade 3 ankle sprains and knee injuries. It was always beneficial and effective. The use of padding can be helpful if you have bruised or tender areas causing discomfort. I mentioned my rib injuries earlier, and as tends to happen in jiu-jitsu, I'll often find myself under someone's top pressure. If this is on my injured rib, it can be very painful. I have a compression shirt with a thin gel pad that protects the ribs, which I can wear under my gi or rash guard, which helps alleviate the pressure by spreading it over a wider area. Depending on how my rib is feeling, I may wear this during training sessions. I would suggest you always ask your coaches and training staff and tell your training partner before wearing something like this, as it is respectful and they should know you are training with an injury. I also suggest limiting the use to when you are sore or uncomfortable to start. If you are healthy and wearing protective gear that others you are training with don't, it may come across as you having an unfair advantage. Infrared saunas are up next and have been proven to reduce swelling and inflammation and promote recovery. The infrared rays increase blood circulation and allow oxygen rich blood to reach portions of the body faster. Stimulating repair, I have an at home personal IR sauna which takes up very little space and I regularly use it they are also great to have on hand if you are cutting weight for competitions or have tight muscles from training even if your gym has an IR sauna I highly suggest getting one at home if you have the space and can afford it quite a few good ones are available for the cost of a month or two of most gym or training Academy memberships just make sure it is an infrared sauna and not using another type of heating element as the infrared rays give the most benefits cryotherapy would be the opposite type of treatment to saunas. These are generally booths that you sit in, and the temperature drops to very low levels. These are becoming popular features in gyms, and I've heard from people with arthritis and significant joint inflammation that it can be helpful. There are also topical rubs and targeted treatments under the cryotherapy classification. Outside of topical products like Icy Hot and BioFreeze, I have not tried them myself. However, on the same basis of why the eye in the rice method is no longer generally suggested, I would say cryotherapy may be something you can try if you have a chronic joint point or severe inflammation, but using cryotherapy may prolong healing. However, depending on your pain level, this may be worthwhile. Another common post-activity method for injury prevention, and as a direct injury rehabilitation activity, is foam rolling. This is when you use a tool, generally a foam or rubber object, to perform a self myofascial release a fancy way to say relieving the tension of the tissues, fascia, that surround the muscles. This can prevent muscle tightness and post-activity soreness by increasing blood flow to the muscles and promoting the elasticity of the fascia. There are a handful of treatment types that are considered trendy for sports injuries coming from traditional Chinese medicine and other Eastern cultures. These include qigong, cupping, acupuncture, and similar therapies. They are quite popular with certain segments of the martial arts and combat sports crowd, and the fact that many martial arts have far eastern origins often increases the interest in these. I have tried many of them, and similar to our supplement episode, results vary from person to person. Most modern medicine practitioners believe they are ineffective, that a placebo effect is responsible for any improvements, and that they have limited effectiveness compared to current approaches. Give them a go if you are interested and listen to your body to determine if they are helpful. The final item I will cover is yoga. As a certified yoga instructor in multiple disciplines of yoga. I am biased on this topic and feel that yoga is essential not just for injury avoidance and recovery, but to optimize martial arts performance in general. I plan to cover many aspects of yoga on this podcast over time, but for now, I'll briefly touch on how yoga can help with injuries. First, many injuries come from overstraining joints and muscles. During training, sparring, or competition, it isn't uncommon to push the limits of your range of motion for a move or to be pulled or manipulated in a way that stretches you farther than you can go. By actively practicing yoga regularly, you will increase your flexibility and range of motion as well as get to know your limits. In this way, you can perform better and be more self-aware of when you should stop. This can help in injury prevention. Secondly, the source of many injuries is inflammation from wear and tear on joints. Often this is from lack of appropriate lubrication in the body to reduce the friction of bones and tissues moving. Performing yoga to warm up can help lubricate the joints, so you are ready to go and will have less friction and, therefore, less inflammation when you get into your activities. This can help avoid or reduce wear and tear injuries. Finally, yoga as a cool-down post-activity can help reduce delayed-onset muscle soreness, commonly known as DOMS. One reason you feel sore after working out and intense activity is the buildup of lactic acid in your bloodstream. Performing yoga before and after activities can reduce your body's inflammatory responses, drive oxygen into your muscles where needed, and promote efficient lactic acid clearance. Warm up and cool down via yoga or any active, dynamic, and passive stretching should also be incorporated more as you age. A rule of thumb a physical therapist told me is that the percentage of your activity time for stretching should mirror your age. For example, if you are in your 20s, about 20% of your training time should be stretching. In your 40s, 40% of your activity time should be related to pre- and post-workout stretching. Suppose your goal is longevity in your martial arts and combat sports. In that case, I highly suggest incorporating yoga or stretching activities daily, or at a minimum, before and after active, intense training sessions. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. We covered a number of injury treatments, preventative measures, and ways to train effectively and improve even while injured. If you have any comments or questions on the contents of today's episode or otherwise want to reach out, You can find us at perpetuallysore.com or on Instagram at perpetuallysore247. Until next time, have fun on the mats, and we'll talk soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Perpetually Sore podcast. We hope you have enjoyed this episode's topics. Please follow and review our podcast on your listening platform of choice. If you have any suggestions on future topics or comments about the show, you can contact us by visiting perpetuallysore.com or finding us on Instagram at perpetuallysore247.